Hello, and welcome to Sunday Devotionals with John and Rachel. We're so honored to have you join us as we explore God's truth and get to know Him in a more authentic and intimate way. As we go through life, many of us have questions, concerns, and issues that may hinder us from fully embracing who God is and who He's called us to be. These devotionals are designed to help us navigate life and all that comes with it, learning and growing in God. So pull up a chair and grab a cup of coffee, or in my case, tea, and join us as we fellowship. Today we wanted to go a little deeper, and today we wanted to talk about the relationship or correlation between knowing God and knowing yourself. There is a correlation that God has inherently created in us that the more we get to know God, the more we will understand ourselves. And unfortunately, this in our society, it's like the reverse. Like, you know, know yourself so you can get to know God. And, you know, there's this, there's this uh, almost chasing after a knowledge of ourselves that is actually hidden in God. So there's knowledge and understanding of who we are, who we were intimately made to be, that can only be unlocked and discovered through God. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Knowing God means knowing me. Hmm. So if we go to Acts, the 17th chapter, and we'll go to verse 27, and we kind of, we kind of talked about last week that God's purpose was for all the nations to seek after him so that they might feel after him and find him. So the beautiful thing about this whole thing is that God set us up to trip over him. Let's just think about that, right? Every aspect of your life, good and bad, God, and we're talking about the God of creation now. We're talking about the God of creation's heart towards us. So understanding and recalibrating how we visualize God when you're praying and when you're seeking after God, thinking about God as a God of judgment that is looking down on you and always ready to give you a spanking for everything that you did wrong is the wrong posture that God wants you to be seeing him. God does not want us to view him as solely the God and primarily the God of judgment. God wants us to see him as the creator of the universe that wants to love his creations. The creator of the universe that wants to be known by his creations. To the point that he's taken steps to orchestrate our lives so that we might happily find him. That's foundational. So Acts chapter 17, you find Paul and Silas in Athens. And they are actually on missionary journeys and they are going through these different places. They've come to Athens, a very philosophical area, and they begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in the crowd, there happens to be uh, some philosophers and, and, and very astute people um, that are there. And they are gathered talking about the latest things, similar to the world we're in right now. You turn on social media, it's just all these sound bites, all these things. People are just talking about everything right now, the latest ideas. And Paul comes and brings an idea of something that they're not necessarily too familiar with. As Paul comes through Athens, he notices that there are a lot of shrines and idols and all this. And he notices that these people have created a statue and labeled it to the unknown God. 
And this is what Paul actually uses to draw their attention to the God that they are blindly seeking after that wants to be found. Now, I thought that was really powerful in that, you know, many times we go through life and we are searching and we try this and we try that and we do this and we do that. All the while, it is God orchestrating certain events to cause us to discover him and happily find him. This is a beautiful example of what we can see that this is happening in real time for Paul with them seeking after all these um, gods. So what happens in this text is by the Holy Spirit, Paul uses their statue to tell them about the God that is seeking after them, the God that wants to be found. And it goes from creation all the way through everything. And now we're coming to a place where Paul basically says, number one, we're all from the same origin. And that was a powerful statement that Paul would say to these people because right off the bat, the God of creation wants us all to understand that we all come from him. That no matter what your background is, no matter what your history is, no matter what you did, what you didn't do, it doesn't matter. Your history, your origin points back to one God the God of creation. And this is mind-blowing to these people. It's like, well, how is that possible? Obviously, these people from this nation are, have this origin, and these people from this nation have this origin. So how is this true? And their curiosity begins to get piqued because now Paul uses some of their own things to reveal the God of creation to them. So they are now being privy to understanding the God of creation, through some of the things that they had already been wrestling with intellectually. So then Paul, calls, Paul signs this like at the end of this, like we talked about last week, that God, the God of creation, is not far from any of us. And we talked about tracing God's goodness, tracing God's kindness, God's faithfulness, that you know, everybody can look out their window. That's how close God is. You can put your hands over your heart and feel your heartbeat. That's how close God is. You can put your hands on your nose and feel the breath coming out. That's the faithfulness of God. God is not far from any of us. Let's go a little deeper. So let's go to 28. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And 29. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver, or stone. Those two verses are powerful because Paul is now helping us to understand how we should not think of God. There is a way that we should not think of God, which is the crux of this series. Because how you think of God influences how you serve God, influences how you expect God, your relationship with God, and since we said that me understanding God is directly correlated to me understanding myself, it is important that we see God the way he wants to be seen and not the way we feel like we want to see him. So uh, Paul uses this verse in 28, for in him we live, we move, and we have our existence or we exist. Now, this is important. And this is a discovery for me. It'll let you know. When I'm studying this, I'm like, okay, we all heard that script before. You are a churchy person, raised in church, whatever. We heard the songs and all that. We just listened to a song about this phrase. But this phrase wasn't originated by Paul. 
this phrase for in him we live, in him we move, and we in, in him we have our being was actually uh, written in worship of Zeus. So this was actually written by one of their philosophers, a poet named Epimenides. And Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses their poet to tell them about the God that they don't know. And this is why it, I think it's important when we actually seek to know God, it proves how close God really is to you. Because some of the stuff that you thought you knew about God is a matter of being misinterpreted by your own understanding. So what Paul does is Paul uses this quote from Epimenides about Zeus that was written for Zeus, that was written in worship to Zeus, and that Zeus is the Greek god that they were worshiping. And now he turns it and flips it and says, as your very poets say, characteristics of your connectedness to God, your relation to God, it's not Zeus, it's the God of creation in whom we live in whom we move, and in whom we have our being. So now, taking what they understand about the concept of God and how it connects to us, using that to now relate it to the unknown God was a powerful thing. And he also uses another phrase in, it, in, it, in the other verse and says, we are his offspring. That is actually not Paul either. That's also one of their poets that he's using to draw them in to a level of acceptance and understanding of how this God wants to be found, and he is not as far as we want to think he is from us. Now, notice what's powerful about this. Last time we said that the Greek gods had a reputation of not necessarily being all that concerned with human beings. They were up there doing their own thing, living their lives, doing their thing, but human beings would worship whatever their strengths were and that's when that God's attention would be got, and then they'd be able to get what they want. So if I want to have a baby, I'm going to do this. If I want to fall in love, I'm going to do this. I want, you know, we want it to rain, we want to do, and whatever, whatever it is, whatever that God was, that's what the relationship was based on, serving the God from that aspect of it, humanity seeking after that God. But the unknown God flips that, and he comes after us. And he sets up your life so that you might discover him and find him because he's not hiding. He's not far from us. And I think the idea of understanding that God is not far and God actually cares is one of the things that is constantly fought in our minds. We are constantly fought in our minds. God doesn't care about us. He doesn't care. He doesn't love us. If he loved us, how could he? If he loved us, how could he not? If he cared about us, why didn't he? If he cared about me, why did he let that happen? And this is what's happening in our minds all the time to debunk the truth in the fact that God does care and he cares so much that he has put his fingerprints on every aspect of your life for the purposes of us one day happily finding him. Let's set a precedence. We will never be able to fully apprehend and understand God in this human human realm. So if we ever get to a place of, oh, I know God, we are in trouble. We're in danger. Okay. The whole idea of knowing God is in the unknowing of God. 
And that's the point that we're trying to help us to see that it's it's the awe and it's the sometimes being perplexed and it's the it's the it's the looking at yourself and realizing how small you are compared to the vast universe. That's the posture where God begins to reveal his mysteries to us and reveal who he really is. It's that captivating aspect of God that helps us to really have a real relationship with God and be able to see him the right way. So this whole idea of of understanding God and apprehending God and knowing everything about church and knowing everything about the Bible and knowing everything. No, we seek after it, but we don't seek after it as if we have already attained it because God is incomprehensible. Our hunger for God, though, should be fueled by the fact that we don't know. We should desire to want more, to want to understand, even though we won't fully understand until we are perfected in him. So Paul uses Epimenides' quote, and he says, for in him we live, in him we move, or we are moved, and in him we have our being, okay? So those three things, let's just talk about it. Let's wrestle with it for a little bit, okay? So in him we live. This speaks to our human existence, right? So in God, we have our humanity. In God, look at Genesis, God formed man out of dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul, right? So this idea of God creating us in his image, and God making us human beings and all that, in the physical sense, it is because of the God of creation that we have life in itself, okay? That, we, that, that's, that's foundational. And we don't need to take a lot of time on that, but thinking about that and putting that into perspective, that in order to first know yourself, you have to attribute your creation or your origin and created origin to the God of creation. That there is going to be uh, a significant lapse in understanding if we don't attribute the fact that we are human beings because we had a creator. And that creator is the creator of the universe. So the first part is acknowledging that we live we exist as humankind, as physical parts of the animal kingdom because God created us. Second thing, we, we move, right? So we are moved. So when we say moved, that is speaking not necessarily to, to the, uh, the, 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 the movements in space. So like my arms are moving because I'm moving, I moved, you know, physically moving. That's not that. And in and, and this particular verse, what that is speaking to is that speaking to your emotional vitality. So you are moved. What drives us. What makes you move. Yeah. Right? So I, I think this part, I, I think we need to really park at for a couple minutes because anything that we do, we are moved to do it. Anything that we are, uh, we don't do, we are moved to not do it. And, and I think thinking about this and, and connecting that to God really uh, helps us to be able to see the importance of our relationship with God and how that pertains to the course and trajectory of our lives, right? A lot of us have formulated our identities and who we are based on what we've done and don't feel like doing. Now, what we've done and don't feel like doing a lot of times is because of past experiences, 
It's because of what our fears or whatever it is, you know, that keep us from doing something. Or sometimes it's the past experience that motivate, well, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to be like this. So I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this because I saw this and all that. All of that is talking about your emotional um, existence. So he's talking about your passions, what you love, what you hate. Paul is basically bringing this secular pop culture uh, verse and attributing it to the unknown God in the sense of bringing clarity, using what they would know, what they have studied to bring relevance to the unknown God. So it makes me think like even today, we, we, we know like this is saying you're in the world, but not of the world, right? So this is idea of being separate, which is vital to being a Christian, right? Living a life that is set apart for God's glory. However, not living in a bubble. So there is, there is a relevance that God has to the society that you're living in, and the Holy Spirit is able to articulate the truth of God using some of the things that people already understand, just not interpreting it from a spiritual lens. So what, this is what Paul is doing right here. He's saying what you're doing and what you're not doing is not outside of being related to God in some way. Like, like, like what you're doing what you desire to do, what you're passionate about, what you're not passionate about, these things, these inner workings is really God and connected to God that gives you the vitality to desire those things or to want those things. Now, we have to make things clear, okay? Because if you have sinful desires, that's not God. Like, like if you have things that you're liking to do that is against God, that's not God. So at the same time, this is not saying that everything that you feel, everything you do is from God. What, what it is saying is having God in his rightful place and having God in the right context in your life will help to align those things that you are driven by to cause you to be able to find God, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So there's an alignment that happens, and this is what this is talking about. Like This is talking about your alignment with yourself is connected to your alignment with God. Physically, emotionally, and the last part is have our being. We talked about that in the second, I think second uh, devotional, when we talked about we are becoming, but God already is. So this is this isness aspect of it, this being, which is this, this our will, this is our intellect, this is the core of who we really are. So the core of who you really are is connected to the God of creation. And if we want to understand who we really are, which is connected to who we really are supposed to be, then that is impossible to discover that and have peace with it in yourself without the one who made you in the first place. And when you think about the fact that, you know, in the beginning in Genesis, where it states that God's breath, and I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but basically, in essence, God's breath breathing in us the breath of life. Mm -hmm. And that's what allowed man to become a living soul. Mm -hmm. That breath has sustained us mm -hmm. and sustained man and mankind. So there's no way that you can fully come to uh, any kind of realization or grips with who you are as right. a person or as man because the breath of God is in you. Yeah. That is what has given us life. So in order to understand our life, we would have to reconcile with the breath that's in us yeah. and where it came from. Yeah. 
it makes me think too, like, uh, and we always say this, and this is this got to be our slogan, like the whole one life thing, right? And, and this is this is the temptation that that we often have growing, you know, just going through life. That that your spiritual life and your life with God is some separate thing than your everyday existence. And what Paul is doing in this verse is saying, no, it's one existence, like your physical life, the fact that you're a human being. We, we, we I mean, you, you, that's like you don't hear that today. I'm a preacher about we're humans, right? We, that's something that quote unquote is just a norm. That can be a secular thing. That can be a science thing. You don't necessarily call that a spiritual thing. But what Paul is saying is, at the most natural space, God is relevant. At, at your most basic origin, that the fact that you are breathing and living and have a human body, that is also related to the God of creation. So it's not a church life and all this. It's this is my life, and my life is in Him. My life is in God. So these dynamics are are really important when it comes to getting to know God by unknowing the things that keep us from understanding God better. God created the whole world so that we might see the reality of his existence. Like seeing God in what he made is a part of getting to know God. Understanding the fact that God has created these systems, seen and unseen, are supposed to call us to understand and trust the process of our life and that we are living in systems seen and unseen that are created by God who knew what he was doing. What this verse is really saying is that we can only come to truly know the depth of who we are through God. We can only come to know the depth of who we really are through God. And seeking to know God better will result in us getting to know ourselves as we are known by God. Mm. See, this series has been like unknowing God. But what's really like the backbone of it is the fact that God knows you. Like, like you are fully known by, like we are fully known by God. Imagine that, right? Like we, we don't know ourselves, but we are fully known by God. Fully known, like known in these three facets. Mm. Like known, we live in him. He knows us that way. In him, we move in our moves. He knows us that way. In him, we have our being. We have our finishedness, our perfection, our finished product. Like we get to the end of our becoming and he already knows that. So we will get to know ourselves as we are known by God. Once we set our hearts to seek after him, and like you said so beautifully last week, and if you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. Seeking to, to, to understand and seeking to know God um, and seeking to sense him in the most obvious places. And that's been my prayer for the last, you know, as we go into this series, Lord, help me to sense your presence in the most obvious places. Like help me not to just attribute things that I just take for granted and, and not be able to see that that's you. Like help, help me not to help, help, help my sharpen my senses, heighten my senses. So, so when I'm looking around and I, the spirit of discouragement hits me, I can look around and say, oh, God's right there. Okay, I'm good. Mm -hmm. 
or depression starts it. I start to get worried or anxious. And Lord, help me to see how close you really are. We're serving the God of creation who wants to be known. And in many of our lives, he's like, hello, I'm right here. But we're expecting something else. Right? Like, like, like we create an idol because we want to be able to see it. We, we, want, we want God to be visible in this way. We want, him to, we want to experience him in this way. And if we don't experience him in this way, that can't be God. But God wants us to peel back the expectations that we have created and, 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 and kind of formulated. Like you said last week, the God of my imagination. Like all of us have, all of us, all of us have this, like the God of our, my imagination. This is, this is how God looks. This is how God feels about me. And this is a, and based on my past and based on what I've been through in my life. And based on this, this is what God must feel about me. And I think God is really like tired of people assuming and projecting their feelings on him. Yeah, yeah, we know what that feels like, right? When you're you're trying to explain something to somebody, you're trying to, and that person's projecting how they feel on you. No, no, that's not how I feel about you. That's how you feel. Don't put that on me. Imagine how frustrated the, the, the God of creation is when he's like, I love you. I care about you. I did this for you. I did that for you. I set my son to die for you. Like, I want you to be with me. I had you born the year you was born, the hospital you was born in, the family you came into, the circumstances that you came, because I wanted you to discover me so that you could be with me when this is all over. Mm. And we go through life projecting our own feelings. Oh, God, don't care about me. He let this happen to me. He let this happen to me. He let this happen to me. And this is the human side that we can relate to. Right. This is the humanity that we all experience and feel from one another. But God lets us experience that also so that we can understand what that feels like. So that we can know, Lord, I don't want to do that to you. I want to take you at your word. You can't lie. I want to take you at your word. You said you love me. Lord, teach me your definition of what love means so that I can see it and praise you for it. Show me what you mean when you care for me. Help me to see your definition of that and not mine. I want to serve you the way you want to be served. I want to see you the way you want to be seen. I don't want to project on you. I want to have a real relationship with you and get to know you how you want to be known. And that's what we are talking about in this series. That's the whole point, and it's humbling. And if you are hungry for God, hungry to know God, hungry to get closer to God, I'm praying that what we've been sharing in this series has caused you to kind of sit back and reflect and allow God's light to shine on your own relationship with God. So 1 Corinthians 13 and 12, now we see God as if we are looking at a reflection in a mirror. But then in the future, we will see him right before our eyes. We'll see him face to face. Now I only know in part, but at that time I will fully know as God has known me. The goal is to know God but not to know him the way we want to know him. The goal is to know him as he knows us. Just encouraging us not to settle for a superficial knowledge of God. Seek after a knowledge of God, a deeper depth of God, a deeper understanding of his grace, of his love, of, of why he went through all this trouble to have you breathing right now. Why he went through all this trouble for you. You're not just aimlessly walking through life. Like, why would he, why are you here? What do you mean to the world in God's eyes? Mm -hmm. What's the point of him waking you up every day and having you go to that job? 
awakening you up and causing you to be a part of that family. What was his divine purpose for your life? When he sees you, what is he smiling about? What is he like? Ah, this is my life in him, in her, that's going to make a difference and cause more people to come to the knowledge of me because they're still alive. If I seek after God, respect the fact that in him, I live. In him, I am moved. In him, I have my being. Then I will understand me. We thank you, Lord, for challenging the ideologies and the concepts of you that we have created, that we have mistaken for you. We pray, Lord, that as we continue in this series, that you will continue to allow us to humble ourselves, that we might see you in all of your glory, that we might truly and truthfully interpret your love and care and grace towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, we'd like to give you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if we confess with our mouth and believe with our heart, we shall be saved. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I recognize and acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn away from my sins and ask you to forgive me and save me. I make you Lord of my life. If you made this life-changing decision, welcome to the family. We want to know about it. Connect with us online at www.thelifehouseministries.org or by downloading the LifeHouse app. We love you all and pray God continues to bless and keep you.